Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Here we are wrapping up the month of July. Doesn't really seem possible. Summer's really slipping away from us here as we get ready to move into August. We have a busy show for you today. Glad you have joined us. We're going to be talking about trade, a lot of trade talk, as we will talk with Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association, get his thoughts on the negotiations that are underway with the U.S. and the EU, what about NAFTA, and of course the ongoing issue with China. Also coming up today, Scott Irwin, University of Illinois Ag Economist, will join us. We'll get his analysis of uh, these trade situations. also want to get his thoughts on the aid package announced by the administration and what he thinks that means. Also uh, for what he sees with the the RFS. That's going on, of course, as well. Um, We have conflicting reports out on E15 sales year-round. We kind of seem to have an idea that this EPA is going to continue on the same path with the waiver uh, for the refineries that request them on the RFS. So we'll get his thoughts on all that. And then we're less than a month away from the Farm Progress Show in Boone, Iowa. And uh, we're going to get a Farm Progress Show preview today, a crop update with Syngenta agronomist Dean Grossnickel. Find out how crops are doing, how they're looking there in the Boone, Iowa area. But first, we're going to start things off with Jerry Hagstrom from the Hagstrom Report. And Jerry, thanks for joining us. It sounds like some progress is being made on NAFTA, at least between the U.S. and Mexico. Yes, that's what the officials are saying. Uh, They're supposed to meet again uh, Thursday, I think, the Mexican officials and the U.S. officials, and they hope to do a deal. Now, the importance of this is that the Trump administration and I think the Mexican government would like to do the deal so that it can be signed by the current president of Mexico uh, when he uh, leaves office on December 1st. So if you're going to use the, the... the uh, TPA, the trade authority process in the United States, that means you'd have to be done with it by December 1st, uh, or you'd have to do it, you'd have to do the deal by the end of August in order for the signature to take place on December 1st. So that's sort of the current deadline. We'll see how that goes. And the strategy now seems to be get a deal done with Mexico in hopes that puts pressure on Canada to get them into the fold then. That's right. That's right. Uh, And with Canada, of course, when it comes to agriculture, the main issue is dairy. I just don't know how that's going to go. Well, I think most likely they'll give up what's called Class 7 on dairy uh, and leave their their dairy program in place. That seems like a logical compromise. All right, so we'll be watching that very closely. And again, by the end of August would seem to be the next kind of the deadline on on the NAFTA renegotiations, especially between the U.S. and Mexico. Meanwhile, Jerry, uh, are we any closer to getting Senate conferees for the Farm Bill? Well, I hope so. It's very hard to tell. Senator McConnell, the majority leader, said yesterday again that the Senate will vote this week on going to conference on the bill. Uh, We just don't have any word on whether these uh, pesky issues uh, have been resolved, although Senator Grassley seemed to have just told reporters today 
that he doesn't think he'll be on the conference. He was last week complaining that he might not be on the conference, but now it sounds like he's accepted that, and he says no matter what happens, he's going to the conference and he's going to continue lobbying for his payment limits provision. But Grassley also said he's in a weaker position this year than he was in 2014 because the payment limits provision was not passed in both bills. And even in 2014, it got taken out, even though it was in both the House and the Senate bills. And Congress is not supposed to take out anything that's in both bills. Interesting. In comparison, the Senate proceedings so far have gone so much easier and smoother than uh, we've seen on the House side, but now uh, we kind of got this little hurdle here, a bump uh, in the road uh, just to get the conferees named and move forward. Right. Well, it's because there are a couple of uh, senators apparently wanting to, to, to do something with amendments. I can't quite figure out if they really want to do them in the Farm Bill or just separately. Uh, one is an amendment from Senator Fisher in Nebraska, uh, who wants something done on the hours that agricultural truck drivers can drive. Uh, I think they want to make it possible for them to drive more hours. And then Senator Kennedy from Louisiana uh, still wants a requirement that, uh, that people who go to buy uh, with using their food stamps or their electronic benefit transfer cards would have to show ID. Um, but it, the, the amendment failed when he offered it in the Senate, so... I don't know exactly what he's hoping for here. Um, uh, you know, the grocery stores are opposed to this. They say it's going to slow down the lines and cause lots of problems. Uh, but those are a couple of things. That and the number of conferees has been hold, supposedly holding things up. But we'll see what happens uh, in the next couple of days. I guess they have time. The House is on break for August anyway, so uh, even though there's work going on back and forth behind the scenes, uh, uh, nothing official, I guess, really gets going until probably September. Uh, let's move on back to trade. Uh, US-EU, uh, we were all excited that we had a deal, but it sounds like when it comes to agriculture, the deal was to talk maybe about agriculture, even though the EU says sounds like they're saying a lot of ag issues not on the table. Well, that's right. Uh, you know, you have to read the read what Trump and Junker said very carefully, which I did. Uh, and uh, they're mostly focused on industrial products, but not cars. But that means not agriculture either. Although the agreement says that they can talk about standards, which means you could talk about agriculture, but now the EU says it doesn't want to talk agriculture, and if they don't want to talk about it, there's nothing you can do to force them. So, you know, we got all excited they're going to buy a lot of soybeans. I mean, is that is that still the case, or or is that in question now? Well, the issue about the soybeans is the European Union, which of course is this uh, uh, this organization of, of government, uh, uh, of the member states, it doesn't buy any soybeans, and the governments of the, of the European countries don't buy boy soybeans either. So this has to take place in the regular commercial channels. And the idea is that Europe will buy Amer more American soybeans because the price is low, and so therefore they'd rather buy American soybeans than Brazilian soybeans. So the Brazilians will sell to China, and the Americans will sell to Europe, but Europe doesn't buy as many soybeans as China. So exactly what all this adds up to is unclear, but it made a great press conference uh, for the president uh, last week. Uh, now, there are some more uh, complications with this soybean issue. 
The Washington Post has a story today that says that the, that the real long-term problem for the soybean growers is if the price stays low, it reduces their ability to get both farm subsidies and it will reduce the value of, crop, of, of soybeans uh, when you're calculating your potential payout under crop insurance programs. So that still the long-term problems are the important ones, not the short-term. We'll be talking more about that in a little bit with uh, Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association, later in today's program. As always, Jerry, thanks for the update. Thank you. Always good to talk to you. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. We're going to get some uh, economic analysis of some of these issues on trade and the RFS with Scott Irwin, University of Illinois Ag Economist, coming up next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 800-352-1402. That's 800-352-1402. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 
a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 now and use promo code FARM11 to take advantage of Mike's buy one, get one free deal. This offer expires on August 1st, so don't delay. Order now by calling 800-871-7280 or go to MyPillow.com and use promo code FARM11. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Okay, so we have several big stories out there, and I want to get some uh, analysis and perspective from University of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin. Scott, thanks for being with us. Uh, Always my pleasure, Mike. All right, I want to start with the US-EU talks. Um, A few days ago, everybody was excited. It sounded like the EU is just going to buy all kinds of U.S. soybeans. And uh, now it's kind of looking like, well, they were going to probably do that anyway. Our price is low. They were probably going to buy from us. And now we're hearing, you know, in the talks that are going on, uh, EU doesn't even want to talk about agriculture in in the talks. So uh, was that uh, uh, a lot to do about nothing, or was there positives in that original announcement about the EU-US deal, or what? I think that this was a situation for where the positive reaction was right, but a lot of people cited it for the wrong reasons. So let me explain. Uh, You're right. There was anyone who followed European ag politics and uh, trade flows recently with the EU for the U.S. could not really have taken seriously that that was a signal that the EU is suddenly going to buy a lot of soybeans. That that really just was uh, not, that's not going to happen uh, in the short term. But the key piece of information or data that I think the market really took from that is it appears that the Trump administration maybe was more open to problems uh, instead of just continually ramping them up, you know, ratcheting up the pressure everywhere all at once. And so uh, I think that was an important piece of data. Almost uh, a symbolic move that's showing that the administration was open to talking it it looks like we have a market just just starving for good news and uh, any tidbit can really uh see a market reaction like talks with china i mean the hope is so great that we'll get something worked out that any little news that seems positive uh, is uh gobbled up quickly Uh, certainly and but that makes complete sense again to me mike because um you know, two things. One, I've thought ever since we got the initial slide in soybean prices where we dropped roughly $2 a bushel on the board since late May, that that had been overdone itself. All the economic modeling that I have seen suggests that, you know, we're looking at a 3 to 8% year-over-year drop due to a 25% tariff on uh China on our soybean exports. 
and we dropped 20%. So I just think that in kind of that fear, fear, fear environment that, A, the market had uh, over-adjusted to that news, so we were really going to be subject to a correction at some point. And secondly, if, you know, what I've kind of tried to be consistently saying is that you have to be careful of the upside volatility here because you wake up one morning and an agreement has reached been reached well if the drop was two dollars then you go right back to two dollars if, if that's really what explains the two dollar drop in soybeans so you know there's potential for enormous volatility here and even the hint of somebody trying to start start talks up again in China, you know, has popped the market 20 or 25 cents. But given what's at stake, that's actually a pretty reasonable price reaction. Now it sounds like the U.S. and Mexico may be close to a deal uh, between just the two countries with the hopes that puts pressure on Canada to come into the fold on, on NAFTA. If that is, if the U.S. and Mexico, if they we do sign a deal with them and we're waiting for details if that happens, what kind of market reaction do you think we'd see then? That one's a little tougher to analyze because it we were never exactly sure what might be the exact concrete trade retaliation coming out of Mexico. So uh, it would be positive, but I think it would be probably less than in China because we're dealing with a, an explicit 25% retaliation by China. And if that goes off, um, we'll reverse substantial price effects. But it certainly would be positive. But I hesitate to put a number on you know, how much of a positive impact that would be. We're talking with University of Illinois Ag Economist Scott Irwin. Scott, what were your thoughts on the aid package announced by the administration? Um, I was surprised that it was announced so quickly. To me, that tells me just how heightened the political sensitivities are about what's happening in the Midwest with the U.S. midterm elections coming up. That's what I take away from that. Uh, The Trump administration is, is indeed very sensitive to the fortunes of uh, farmers here in the Midwest. And again, we still don't know a lot of details, uh, in particular, how much of, uh, how large would be any of the direct payments. Um, I'm kind of guessing on soybeans someplace between 50 cents and a dollar. Um, If nothing is resolved, it's important to remember that they've got apparently clauses in there as things change and trade, if China, for example, would take off their 25% tariff, then regardless of what happens to price, my understanding is there would be no direct payments. So, um, you know, I think that it certainly could go a long ways in one year to um, offsetting the pain from our China trade problems. Uh, But it also seems to be being implied that it's a one-year program and if this would stretch on into a second year deep into 2019, don't expect uh, help a second year, although we have heard that before with uh, ag support programs, so we'll see. Yeah, and we've heard some officials already talking about 
uh, maybe it won't all even need to be paid. That gives some hope that maybe some kind of, you know, th that, you know, if they get a deal done with China and things like that, it wouldn't be needed. So, uh, yeah, let's hope there's some positive there. Hey, I want to get your thoughts on the, the RFS and EPA. From what we are seeing and hearing out of this EPA, I mean, uh, to the chagrin, I think, of the renewable fuels industry, uh, the indications or signals have been that uh, it's going to be kind of a, the same approach that we saw under Scott Pruitt. Maybe a little more transparent, maybe a little more discussion, but in the end, they're going to kind of follow uh, the same path they've been on as far as uh, waivers and things like that. Yeah, the way I've summarized it, uh, Mike, is uh, uh, out with the old boss, in with the new boss. And uh, the signals that Wheeler is sending is that He's not going to um, budge on the key, absolute core question of reallocation of small refinery exemptions. Uh, as I said before, that's the key thing to watch in the RFS. That's what has effectively gutted the, the mandates, and the refiners are absolutely all over the EPA on that issue. There was a letter sent to Wheeler from, I think it was 21 U.S. senators saying, don't reallocate. These are all from refining interest states. So that is ground zero in the RFS battles these days. And on E15, we had conflicting reports, uh, you know, uh, comments the president talks about. It's close to uh, having E15 sales year-round, but Andrew Wheeler had earlier said that would only be part of a package that would uh, include uh, export RINs that the renewable fuels industry does not want to happen. So even there, mixed signals. Right. Uh, you know, the news there is, uh, you know, you know, not good. You know, uh, the political signals coming out of Washington D.C. in terms of support for biodiesel, for excuse me for biofuels continue to be negative, and until you know we get uh, an out, and out basically an E15 waiver without strings and reallocation of small refinery exemptions, um, you know there's not much change. Yeah, you try not to be pessimistic, but when you just look at uh, what's being said and kind of look reading between the lines, it doesn't sound overly optimistic uh, on the moving forward uh, with this EPA, this administration on RFS, despite all their claims to be very supportive. So we will see. Scott, good to talk with you again. Thank you for being with us. Uh, it's always a pleasure, Mike. Thank you. University of Illinois Ag Economist Scott Irwin. All right, so soybeans very much in the news. We're going to talk with Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association, next, especially on that EU-US situation. Then later in the program, we'll get a crop update for the Farm Progress Show coming up in less than a month in Boone, Iowa. All that's still to come on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. 
UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. In the grain and oil seed sector, we've got advances once again on this Tuesday. Soybean futures over 20 cents higher. Corn futures a half dozen better an hour into the trading day. 9 to 10 higher in Minneapolis wheat, dime better in Kansas City, and 12 to 13 higher in Chicago wheat. Good to excellent condition ratings for the nation's corn and soybeans, unchanged from a week ago, according to USDA. The National Ag Statistics Service estimating that 72% of the nation's corn crop in good to excellent shape as of Sunday. Soybean conditions rated 70% good to excellent. Corn and soybeans continue to progress at a faster than normal pace. Northern Missouri and other parts of the Midwest have turned drier in late July. There is also expanding drought in the Pacific Northwest, but moderate temperatures in late July also helpful to crop conditions. Wheat futures closing at the highest point in three years on Monday in Chicago. More buying on this Tuesday. We have moved through resistance at the 553 and three quarters zone. New crop November soybeans blasting through resistance at 897 to 901 and a quarter. Tuesday morning showers being seen in southern Illinois, southern Ohio, helpful to the crop, but not much else is expected in the next seven days. For livestock at the Merck and live cattle futures on this Tuesday trading session, we've been steady a bit defensive. Call it a nickel to 55 cents lower, dollar twenty-five to a dollar fifty lower in feeder cattle. Lean hog futures a nickel to a dollar fifteen lower. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow up 100 points. September crude oil down a dollar ten a barrel in New York. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Let's talk soybean trade with Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association. Ryan, good to talk with you again. Thanks for being with us. Good morning. Yeah, not a problem. How are you? 
and we picked the right day. Soybean prices are higher, so that's that's good. And and it doesn't take a lot right now. Just just uh, news that the U.S. and China are talking that gets the markets excited. It does. It does. I think there's a lot of things that we can look to that are positive signs right now. Um, hopefully, we see continue to see China and the U.S. talking, but. The U.S. and Europe are talking about um, free trade agreements. Their uh, Secretary Ross is talking about free trade agreements in the Pacific Rim. So this is what we've been waiting for. This is really good news over the last week to 10 days that there's there's some talk about trade agreements. And that's, that's what we're hopeful for, as well as, as finishing up NAFTA, which would be fantastic. If it's more than talk. Now, what... We had that big announcement about the U.S. and the EU, and the word was, boy, this is going to be great for U.S. soybean farmers. They're just going to buy all these soybeans. And then we start kind of looking into it a little more, and we kind of, you know, you kind of get into it, and, hey, they were going to probably buy anyway. Our price is low. It's up to the individual <laughs> right. countries. The European Union itself doesn't buy. It's up to the individual countries. Now they're talking, and the uh, EU doesn't even want to talk about some ag issues. So you have to be careful. We don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. How do you look at this U.S.-EU situation? I think that we need to look at the positive signs first, and that is that they are interested in U.S. soybeans. Now, whether that is going to be a free trade agreement or if that's going to be just purchases at this point we need we need more markets we need new markets or not new markets but well, well we need we need europe to buy our soybeans because we're losing that china market right now and that's hurting and that's what we've seen the fall off in our soybean prices so is this going to be the beginning of a free trade agreement we don't really have a lot of tariff barriers for soybeans into europe um, there are some bar- barriers for other ag products but not for soybeans so I think we're going to look at the positive sign that Europe's interested in buying U.S. soybeans, and let's see how far we can go with that. And if they purchase it and we develop some relationships there, uh, they already purchased a few million metric tons. If we can increase that, it would be it would be beneficial. The barriers have been on issues like biotech approval. Uh, are we making headway there? That's, that's going to be... Um, difficult as we move forward so there there are always biotech that we'll, we'll classify it as that traditional uh, gmo that we have a regulated status here in the u.s we go through that process and then europe has their own process that they go through and um and there there are traits that are working their way through the pipeline in europe right now that we need to clear so that we can export export some some new technology over there i think the bigger question is what the EU had discussed last week through the courts, and that is gene editing, this plant breeding innovation. As we look at what's coming down for new technologies for breeding, are they going to classify that as GMO or or allow that to be a standard breeding technique, which is what uh, Secretary Purdue and USDA have indicated, that gene editing is just is essentially replicating what could happen in nature, and so from that standpoint, it would not need to go through a regulated pro- process unless the product did have a GMO in it. So you can use gene editing for both GMO or non-GMO, and Europe is saying, no, it doesn't matter what the product is. The simple process of using gene editing is going to fall into GMO category. That's, that's a concern for us. I know that sounds a little nuanced, but that's something that we're all going to have to watch 
and uh, and it is a concern in the European market. So still plenty of issues. Uh, the hope, as you said, is when when uh, these parties are talking, and as long as we're talking, that, that gives us hope that something's going to be worked out. We're talking with Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association. You mentioned NAFTA. It looks like we may be making progress, at least with Mexico. What do you think of this approach? Uh, maybe do a deal with Mexico and hope that puts pressure on Canada to come back in uh, on a new NAFTA. Well, I, I'm, you know, when we look at NAFTA, we need to re- renegotiate NAFTA and move forward. And the administration is going to take a, a an approach. Well, we don't know exactly if it's going to be just Mexico or if they're going to work hard with Mexico and use that to as leverage to push Canada forward. Uh, I think it would be nice to see a trilateral, which is the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. I think seeing that renegotiated as all three would be great. Um, you know, if the administration goes with Mexico first and then pulls Canada in later. Uh, we'll see if if that happens and if that works and if that's the best approach. I think for us, the the best thing is to get a, a deal done, whatever way that happens. Um, we need to see some of these agreements move forward. And so I think a lot of people thought, well, NAFTA renegotiation would happen pretty quick, and then we'd move on to other areas. And it's taken a long time to get NAFTA done, and and that's what we need to do is just move forward, get this done, and and let's start focusing on some other countries in, in the Pacific Rim. What's your uh, reaction to and your analysis of the aid package uh, announced by the administration? Well, I, I think it's a good first step. There's, there's no question that the trade situation has had a negative impact on the immediate prices for farmers. If we go back to the end of May, um, you know, two months ago from now, we were looking at prices that were around 1050, and today we're we're excited that they're crossing into positive territory above nine dollars. So to see a dollar fifty loss, um, we know a, a chunk of that is attributable to the trade challenges with China specifically, and and that's hurt. So we need we need something to help farmers get to where we are right now, to a better. Uh, market situation, and we think those markets are going to improve if we have new markets for soybeans. So to get back to 1050 soybeans, we're going to have to be able to export our soybeans into other areas. That means new trade agreements. That means improving our infrastructure here. That means finishing up NAFTA. Uh, all of all of those are mid and long term uh, fixes that we need to solutions that we need to be focused on. And I think the administration had a great first step in terms of saying we're going to help farmers bridge from where we are to, to where we need to get to, and we're going to help out with some other things. So, um, yeah, it, it, this is not a fun situation for farmers to be in, but we were pleased that the administration recognized that last week with their announcement. We're also watching the Farm Bill right now, waiting for the Senate to uh, announce their conferees. They're trying to work through some issues there, and, and the House, of course, on recess here in August, so the things are really heat back up in September. What, from a soybean perspective, are you hoping to see in this final bill? Yeah, there's no shortage of issues right now, that's for no. sure, but it's good to see the Farm Bill moving. That's fantastic, and yes, if the, if the Senate can... Um, can get their conferees appointed and they can get to work right away. We may have a farm bill before the 14 farm bill expires the end of September. And I really think what we want to see is that bill move forward. 
Um, we want to see a new bill, a new piece of legislation. I think that it's a lot of people recognize having the agricultural risk coverage or the ARC program or price loss coverage, PLC. Having one of those is important. There's no question that having crop insurance is critical. While some people are experiencing a banner year right now, there are others that are really struggling because of, of a tough spring followed by um, less than ideal conditions throughout the summer so far. And, and I think the crop insurance is, is a big part of the risk management tools that farmers are using. So that's, that's in the bill. That's important. Conservation programs in general, uh, it's important that we, we have those as options and that they don't have a negative impact on those that are still farming in the area. So those are three areas that, that are going to be in the bill, and I think that's important. But there's, there's a whole bunch of other aspects of the legislation that, um, that impact farmers directly or indirectly, and it's just good to see the bill move forward so that, none, so that a lot of those programs are not interrupted. And, and maybe one example of a program that we don't want to see interrupted would be the market access program or the foreign market development. And these are, these are USDA dollars, and they partner with organizations to help develop new markets and, and develop a preference for U.S. commodities in foreign markets. And that's exactly the type of program that we need right now to help develop new markets for U.S. soybeans in, in some foreign countries. So that's a part of the Farm Bill, and that would be great to see. Uh, that's another reason that it would be nice to see the Farm Bill passed on time. Are you frustrated that we've not seen more movement, more action on infrastructure? I think everybody's frustrated we haven't seen more movement on, on infrastructure. For, for the farmer leaders around this country that have had an opportunity to travel to Brazil, they would, they would understand um, the significant advantage we have over our friends in South America, our competitors in South America, and that's our infrastructure. I mean, we, we are blessed with an incredible waterway system, highway system, rail system, and that is our competitive, competitive advantage. And we need to maintain that. We need to improve it. We need to expand it if we're going to have a leg up on our, on our competition as we move forward. And that, that is critical. And so an infrastructure, focusing on infrastructure, right now inland waterways infrastructure is, is a really big deal and it needs some help. All, all of that would be good to see, and I think I think everyone would appreciate. They're they're frustrated frustrated right now, but everyone would appreciate movement on infrastructure. Ryan, always good to talk with you. Thank you, and you know, all these issues out there. So we'll be we'll be in in touch and talk more. Hopefully, we'll have more positive news next time we talk. Okay. Absolutely. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Take. You too. Ryan Finley, CEO of the American Soybean Association. All right, now less than a month away from the Farm Progress Show coming up August 28th through the 30th in Boone, Iowa. We're going to get a preview of the show. We're going to focus on crop conditions in that Boone, Iowa area. We will talk with Syngenta agronomist Dean Grossnickel next on AOA Adams on Agriculture.
What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her four-seasons garden room, weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for Four Seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, If you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. 
We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, the calendar turns to August tomorrow. That means Farm Progress Show is almost here, August 28th, 29th, and 30th in Boone, Iowa. This Farm Progress Show preview brought to you by Acuron, corn herbicide from Syngenta, an upgrade for growers who don't settle for average. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide. We're going to get a crop update for the Farm Progress Show today with Dean Grossnickel. He is uh, an agronomic service representative for Syngenta. Dean, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me today, Mike. How do crops look in that Boone, Iowa area? Look very good here. Uh, it looks like you know we got planted on time here in central Iowa, at least in the in and around that Boone, Iowa area. As you go north, uh, that wasn't the case. They got inundated with a lot of rain, but uh, there around that farm progress show grounds, uh, things got planted on time. Late April, first part of May, and um, actually had some excellent, excellent planting conditions at that time. And then, as as you know, as the calendar is. Uh, has increased. We've had we've had pretty good heat units. Uh, things have progressed very very nicely, and uh, there's going to be a nice crop out there for the you know the you know patrons to to go out there and look and see some of that harvest equipment run and and compared to years in the past. So it's looking very nice right now. Well, it's always a big part of the show. People like to go out and see those field demonstrations. All right. What about any uh, disease or insect? Uh, pressures this year in that Boone, Iowa area? Yeah, uh, for, for disease and, and that sort of stuff, uh, for the most part, up until the last couple weeks, it's been relatively quiet on the disease front. Uh, we have had some uh, gray leaf spots starting to move in, obviously a little bit of common rust here or there for the corn side of things. Uh, not too bad. Uh, one new disease that, that um, is prevalent, um, uh, I haven't been on the Farm Progress Show grounds to, to uh, see it there, but bacterial leaf streak is something that's moved in from Nebraska. I did diagnose it just down south, about 10 miles there in Slater, Iowa. So there is some bacterial leaf streak in and around uh, uh, the Boone County, Story County area uh, that we have diagnosed. So that's, that's a new disease that's out there. Uh, but for the most part, it's gray leaf spot and a little bit of common rust. Uh, and some bacterial leaf streak hit or miss. But for the most part, crops have, uh, um, uh, there's not a lot of that out there. Um, gray leaf spot by far the most, but, but for that, it's not too terribly bad. On the bean front, a uh, little bit of frog eye leaf spot here and there uh, that we've diagnosed. Other than that, not much as far as soybean diseases 
insects uh, as they go. Japanese beetles have continued to be, uh, we've had a big flush of them this year, uh, but they really haven't been to the point where people have had to treat a lot for Japanese beetle and silk clipping and that sort of thing. So not much there, and rootworm pressure is starting to build, but again, uh, not to the point where we've had severe lodging and, and that sort of thing, or a lot of clip silks on the, the corn front. And Chinese soybean aphids are, have been, yeah, you can find them, but people have, really haven't been treating for them. What about weed pressures? Uh, that's the, that's the million-dollar question. Uh, at least in the Boone, Boone uh, area, uh, uh, water hemp continues to be a problem and, and a struggle. But uh, with some of the new tools that we've had um, come about, you know, with the Extends-type platform, uh, the, those guys that have gone on that platform seem to have uh, had pretty decent luck with, with uh, weed control. Uh, again, we got a timely pre-down in a lot of these acres and then a timely post-application. So those guys that did that timely, even if they're in a conventional system, uh, the weed control is good. As you move that move north into the state, that's not necessarily the case because a lot of people, uh, you know, the rain got ahead of them. Then they, you know, they got planted, rain got in them. They didn't get a pre-down, and so uh, those fields look a little bit weedy. But in around this farm progress showgrounds, Things look very, very nice. We're talking with Syngenta agronomist Dean Grossnickel looking ahead to the Farm Progress Show in Boone, Iowa, August 28th through the 30th. So it sounds like, Dean, a pretty good year in that uh, Boone, Iowa area. Do you think yields are going to be average or above? Uh, Man, that's that's a million-dollar question as well. Uh, I'd like to say that they would be average to above average. Uh, we, you know, we obviously got the very, very timely uh, planting and and a crop in crop condi- or ground conditions when the crop went in were very, very good. The biggest thing is uh, right through that June time frame, we got a lot of rain, and depending on where you were in that Boone Story County area. Um, there were some places that, like, you just have to go about 10 miles to the south, and they got so much rain that they got a lot of big drowned-out spots. In and around Boone, not so much the case. It's, it's very good. Um, but as we know, our crops really don't like wet feet for the most part. We tend to have a, a bigger crop when when we're in the, we can keep oxygen to those roots and, and keep that crop growing. Corn's probably going to be in that uh, average to above average uh, you know, kind of category. Soybeans... Uh, I'm going to say average at best right now just because soybeans really, really don't like wet feet, and they stayed wet throughout the month of June. Now maybe we can add some bushels here with that pod fill as we dried out through July and first part of August. But uh, for the most part, uh, uh, I'm gonna, with these tight soils of uh, Boone and Story County, I'm going to put them at average right now. And what about crop maturity? Uh, at- a lot of places around the country, it seems like we're ahead of schedule. What about in that Boone, Iowa area? <laughs> that is the case. Uh, we're we're rocking and rolling and just uh, accumulating those GDUs. I was actually talking to a farmer in southern uh, southern Iowa there just uh, the other day, and he said he already has corn denting at the end of July, and so. Um, that's probably going to, you know, especially since they plant a lot of early maturity uh, kind of hybrids for that. I would expect things just to to be. Uh, um, clipping along at a, at a decent pace. We're going to be ahead of schedule maturity-wise. Um, we were cool for the last couple weeks then during this peak grain fill type period, but now we're going to go into uh, some more heat and, and probably cause a little bit more stress on this crop and, 
and I would imagine that it's going to roll through some maturity stages relatively quickly as we add some heat. Good information. Dean, thank you for the update. No, thank you, sir. Take care. Dean Grossnickel, Syngenta Agronomic Service representative, giving us a report on crops, uh, crop conditions in that Boone, Iowa area. Again, the Farm Progress Show, August 28th through the 30th. And this Farm Progress Show preview brought to you by Acuron Corn Herbicide from Syngenta, an upgrade for growers who don't settle for average. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide. All right, that's going to wrap it up for today. Tomorrow, Kansas Senator Jerry Moran will join us. We'll talk farm bill and trade and appropriations, get a Washington update, and much, much more. Hope you'll join us tomorrow right here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Have a great day, everyone. 